0: What is going on wellness gang welcome back to embodied wellness radio a podcast framed around making women healthy again
1: today we're talking about lab testing.
0: So today we're going to be discussing normal lab values and why they aren't enough, especially if you're not feeling your best. We work with so many women who have lab values that might come back as normal, but they're just not feeling well. And so if this sounds like you, this is a great podcast to listen to on why lab values are not that accurate for testing optimal health and what you can do to help support your health and look for further answers.
1: Not only that, but like some lab tests are awesome for what you think they might be for but they're actually not telling you the entire story and those are some of the things that we're going to get into a little bit more today
0: Mm -hmm. And so today when we refer to lab tests, we're specifically talking about blood work that comes from your doctor. So let's say I suspected that I had low thyroid, which is extremely common. And I went to my doctor and I said, hey doc, you know, my hair is falling out, I'm feeling cold all the time, I've gained a lot of weight, I'm just not feeling my best. And they would run a general blood panel, which would come back with whatever the doctor checks off. Sometimes they check off just a couple markers, sometimes they'll give you a full blood panel. and so there's a lot of problems with the conventional medicine system and what happens when somebody goes in and asks for lab work or requisition. So the first and really important thing to understand about lab work is that normal ranges are based off of geographical location. So let's talk about the human body. You would think that my body here in Port Moody, British Columbia, Canada would have the same health markers as my body if I was over in Florida. However, the actual ranges for what is considered normal for lab values would change whether I'm here or in Florida. So let's say I had a fasting blood glucose reading of 5.4. That might be considered normal over here, but if I went to Florida, it might be considered pre-diabetic or type 2 diabetic.
1: Why? Why? Can you tell us why? Because ranges change all around the world from certain area to certain area, but what actually first delineates what a common general range is?
0: Mm -hmm. And so the first thing to understand is, of course, like our body doesn't have a handbook, right? (laughs) There's no handbook of like, yep, everybody's fasting glucose should be within this range and that range. So what they're really doing is they're taking a bunch of information and data from people who go in and get blood work done, and they're figuring out in that population what is the mean or the median, which kind of leads us into our second point. So one thing that we do know, and that's becoming more and more clear and evident is that we have more sick people than we do healthy people, which is partially why we're so passionate about what we do because, you know, 80% of people in the US have some sort of metabolic dysfunction. Women are getting more infertile. We're seeing more hormone imbalances, more people with low energy, fatigue, burnout, cancer, you name it, right? So the population is not getting any more healthy. And so the issue when we take a population that's already not healthy and we run all of the numbers and we say, hey, let's just take the middle of that and call that normal, (laughs) it doesn't necessarily mean that that's a healthy range. It means that that's what's going on in the population at the time. And so we could have people who are very, very unwell, very very sick and you're calling that normal just because there is a lot of them and maybe less people who are in optimal health.
1: And think about this. How healthy were we 40 years ago and then 20 years ago and then 10 years ago and right now? Those normal ranges fluctuate. So what's something that you've been actually been noticing in some of our clients' blood tests that keep coming back because what's normal then might not be normal now and do they change it?
0: Yeah, so... This is actually um, something that I am always so shocked about is that if the population continues to get more unwell, instead of saying, hey, why are people getting so ill and so sick? They go, hmm, let's just redefine what normal is. So let's take an example of what we saw on one of our clients' blood work last week. So C-reactive protein is a lab marker that measures acute inflammation. So if somebody is under greater inflammation, C-reactive protein, that reading on their blood work would come back as a higher range. And so I was looking at a client's blood work last week and I noticed that right on the blood work, it said, as of November, 2020 run, the end range has increased to whatever the number was, 5.5, let's say. So this means that because people are getting more and more inflamed, They just increase the range of what's normal. So 5.5 three months ago or in October 2021 might have been considered, hey, you're pretty inflamed. We should do something about it. But three months later, a person who gets the exact same blood work done in the same place in the same body with the same reading all of a sudden now is considered normal. So as the population continues to get more inflamed, you know, more sick, their thyroid function continues to become depleted. We're seeing more infertility, hormone issues. They're just readjusting the boundaries so that they can tell more people that they're normal and they don't necessarily have to go for further testing and further treatment for these people, which is really, really insane to think about. And this is also why it's so problematic that We always need to be considering the person and not the piece of paper because information data, when we're talking about the human body, really means nothing without context. So if a person is feeling super inflamed, you know, maybe they have all of the symptoms of low thyroid and they go to get their blood work done from their doctor and their doctor says, now you're fine. There's no discussion of how they could improve. There's no discussion of maybe they're really close to the border of being unhealthy, but they're 0.001 within. So they're still considered normal. There's not a discussion had to actually help the person. We don't need to wait until we're clinically sick. We don't need to wait until our blood work shows up as low thyroid to know that we aren't feeling our best. And we need to advocate for helping and supporting people who are in this situation, right? If you're not feeling well, it's not okay for your doctor to not give you any sort of help. It's not okay for your doctor to just tell you that you're fine if you're not. And if you're someone who has been in that situation, it's not in your head. It's not in your head that you're not feeling well. Just because it doesn't show up on a piece of paper and your doctor says everything is normal, you know your body best. You are the boss of your own body. If you are not feeling well, I really urge you and encourage you to find a practitioner who will listen to you and who will support you and who will give you the tools in order to get well and to support your body. And oftentimes at the point where someone becomes, let's say, clinically hypothyroid, This is a pretty serious and potentially severe issue that can take medication. It can take a long time to help to bring back to balance, right? And so if we're able to assess these things and find these things out before it becomes clinically problematic, we have a better chance at healing and supporting our body. And so we should always, always be listening to our body and not just dismissing symptoms because it doesn't show up on lab work. And this leads us into the next point, which is about relative changes, so what's normal for a general population might not be normal for your body. And so even if you're feeling really good, you know, I'm 26, I feel pretty good and healthy. I should still be getting routine lab work done so that I can figure out what my range is when I'm feeling healthy. So if in 10 years from now, I start to experience these symptoms, I can look back at the lab work I did when I was 26, look at my results and see, are things changing? Even if it's within the normal range, are my values changing from where they were when I felt really good or when I felt like I was in my best health? And this is something that's extremely overlooked is we can't just look at one reading and then say, yeah, you're fine. Because let's take the thyroid hormone, TSH, for example. So if your TSH continues to go up and up and up and up every single time that you get lab work done, even if it's within the normal range, this trend upwards is a sign that your thyroid health might be slowing down. And so we always need to look at relative elevations or relative changes for our body. If you're starting to feel like you are having hypothyroid symptoms and your TSH is creeping up and up and up... This is enough information to give you that you should start supporting your body and take a deeper look, even though your doctor might tell you that things are fine.
1: So hold on here, explain to people why when your thyroid hormone is going up on the readings, it's actually the function going down because that sounds very counterintuitive, right? So can you explain that?
0: Mm -hmm. So as we mentioned, as Denon mentioned, is that one reading on a piece of paper doesn't tell the full picture. So let's take thyroids, for example. TSH is often what they will test. It stands for thyroid stimulating hormone. When you go into your doctor and you say, hey doc, I think something's going on with my thyroid, they'll test for TSH. And until that comes back, quote unquote, abnormal, they won't necessarily do any further tests. But we need to understand how our thyroid actually functions. So TSH is not a thyroid hormone. It is, as the name suggests, thyroid stimulating hormone it is actually secreted in your brain and it tells your thyroid hey bud you should make some hormones then what happens is when your thyroid gets that signal it produces t3 and t4 are the two thyroid hormones we need to convert the inactive to the active form so now we have three potential sites where your thyroid could be out of whack maybe your brain isn't sending the signal to your thyroid that's tsh Maybe your thyroid isn't producing enough hormones, and maybe your body isn't able to convert the inactive form to the active form. So already we can see that there's three places that our thyroid could be out of whack, yet you're only getting one measure, and that measure isn't even about thyroid hormones. Then we actually need to be able to get the thyroid into the cell. So then we also have cellular sensitivity. And we also can have um, an autoimmune condition, which is hypothyroidism or hyperthyroidism, so Hashimoto's or Graves' disease. And this can actually attack the process of converting inactive to active form. So we have lots of different places where we could have thyroid issues going on, yet your doctor's testing the thing that happens before any of the other stuff even takes place. And so if you have low thyroid, hormones. So if my body doesn't have enough T3 and T4, it's going to signal to my brain in a negative feedback loop, hey, there's not enough thyroid hormone in the blood. You should probably produce more. So your body will produce more TSH. So this is why if you have low thyroid hormone in your blood, your body will produce more TSH if it's working in a healthy way. And so that's why high TSH might be a sign that there's not enough thyroid hormone in your blood. But high TSH could also be high TSH for other reasons. And so when we only take one small little nibble nibble out of this whole entire picture, how the heck is that going to assess someone's thyroid functioning, right? And so it's really it's really a broken system and it's unfortunate that a lot of the times you know you might go to your doctor and ask for this test like i would like to get my t3 and t4 testing done you know i want to test for antibodies and they'll say well first we'll test tsh if that doesn't come back abnormal then we have no reason to test further
1: well would it it be appropriate for somebody when they're going to their doctor to be like no i explain and then they basically just regurgitate exactly what you just said to their doctor I would like to specifically go and test t3 and t4 are they allowed to do that
0: you can always advocate for yourself that doesn't always mean that we're going to get the outcome that we wish depending on your doctor so something we also need to understand is that your doctor only has 15 minutes with you they're in the business of you come in with the problem they either send you to someone else or they give you a pill or they tell you, now you're fine. You're good. Be on your way, <laughs> right? So they they really have- In a simplest sh- terms. Yeah. They really have a short <laughs> period of time. And you know, doctors are very incredible at acute emergency situations. Some people need medication. And so this isn't to say that doctors are quote unquote useless. I'm all for conventional medicine. I think that it's, it's needed. It's necessary, of course. And at the same time, we also need to- to advocate for ourselves when we have conditions that are maybe lifestyle or chronic conditions to understand and take a deeper look. So to answer the question of going to your doctor, is it appropriate to ask for this? Yes, of course. Does that mean you will always get it? No. That might mean that you need to go in a few times after listening to this podcast. You know, maybe you can pull up old lab work that you've done and go in with it printed out and say, hey, doc, I know this is normal, but look at the change is a trend upwards over time, or maybe it's downwards over time. You can also come in with a really strong case of here's what I have going on. I know this came back normal. Here are my symptoms. Here's maybe some research that I found about this subject. I want to get x y and z tested and the more that you advocate for yourself the more that they might end up giving it to you it might mean that you need to go for another opinion see another doctor it might mean that you need to go to potentially a naturopath and get this testing done so there are options available and it's very very unfortunate that we have to be so almost aggressive sometimes in getting the help that we need but it's really this way the system is is set up and I know that if you're in the position where this is you and maybe you've been dismissed by your doctor or another care provider it can be very frustrating and very defeating to feel like you're fighting this uphill battle just to get answers for yourself and so to that I just say keep going right? Keep advocating for yourself. Um, Keep trusting your body. Keep trusting that you think something isn't right and find someone who will help you because they're out there
1: but also put in the effort to build a good enough case for yourself. If you go in 10 times just saying, I think my thyroid doesn't feel good, they're gonna give you the same answer every time. But if you go in there with papers, a study basically right in front of you and you built your own case as to why you think you should have this one thing done, they're far more likely to do what you actually want to do. Because like, they, like Sarah was saying, they might only have 10 to 15 minutes with you. Quite frankly, they don't want you to be a pain in the ass. So if you come in with a good enough case, do it. If they still say no, you might have to go to a naturopath and you might have to pay out of pocket for things that you believe that you may need. And unfortunately, that's just kind of the way the system is. And if if you have the financial flexibility in order to do that, awesome. And even if those tests come back negative, at least now you know, and you have the peace of mind and you can relieve that stress from your life.
0: Mm -hmm. And if maybe you don't have the financial means to, you know, order these tests privately, either online or with a naturopath, if you suspect that you have something, let's say low thyroid, for example, start researching natural ways to support my thyroid, right? Everything can be helped by reducing stress, making sure that you're eating enough, cutting back on inflammatory foods, getting enough rest, you know, using proper supplementation. So even without having lab work that tells you you're sick, there are still things that you can do within your control that can help move the needle forward. And this doesn't mean that that's going to be able to completely make things better. You know, in some cases there, there is conventional medicine needed, right? Like some people might need to be on synthetic thyroid hormones in order to support their body and feel their best, which is okay. But in the meantime, while you continue on this pursuit of your health and finding answers, there are lots of things within your control that you can start to do and shift to help your body feel better.
1: So we've talked a lot about thyroid hormone, some testing stuff. Let's get back to the main topic of why you need to be uh, testing more frequently.
0: Mm -hmm. So number one, of course, to be able to have some information of when you felt really good and to relate that to how you're feeling now and to look for those clues. And the other one is even if you're feeling good, fine, okay, sometimes you might not necessarily know what's going on under the surface because you can become used to feeling To feeling the way that you're feeling i'll use myself as as an example Um, a couple days ago i stuck on this thing called a continuous glucose monitor which measures your blood sugar and i have a family history of diabetes on both sides of the family i feel pretty good you know i would consider myself a healthy individual i eat well i manage my stress i get good sleep all the goodies. You have
1: more energy than 99% of people. She's the energizer (laughs) bunny. I can't keep her bouncing off the walls. It's insane. If anybody were to look at her, you think she's literally perfect. And I don't mean just her beauty. I mean, internally, she must be perfect.
0: Yeah. So I stuck this thing on the back of my arm and I measured my fasting blood glucose the first morning and it was a 5.7, which is in the range where they tell you, you should probably look at changing your nutrition and your exercise. And it was kind of a shock to me. I was like, whoa, you know I knew it was it was potential that I had high blood sugar or I had some sort of you know, metabolic inflexibility because of my family history. But I've done a pretty good job to make sure everything within my control is managed. And so this was kind of a shock to me. And it was really like, I need to be quite serious about what I'm doing and balancing my blood sugar. And with a couple small changes within two days, it was down to a really good range. It was 5.0 and then just below that the following day. So this is really great. And it just goes to show, you know, if I'd continued doing the things that I had been doing before I understood that and made those changes... This could have caused issues way later in life because right now, you know, I haven't had any kids yet. I'm pretty healthy. Um, My stress is very low, but these things change over time. So if I'm already on the verge of having issues with insulin, these things can get progressive and I don't want to get to the point where, you know, I have type 2 diabetes and that's causing other health issues. And so even if you feel healthy, it's always good to check. And to make sure everything is okay you know and to get routine lab work the best kind of medicine is preventative if you see some things a little off or getting a little close to one side of a reference range then that's a good indication that that might be something that you want to start looking deeper to support
1: at the end of the day you don't know what you don't know until you find out what you don't know and there's no way to find out what you don't know until you have metrics therefore it's important to get your lab testing done frequently how many times a year do you think you should go
0: I would say ideally once every three months, at least every six months. I agree. The more information you have, the better, right? So um, I'm actually doing a course right now and it's called Functional Diagnostic Nutrition Practitioner and it's to be able to run a whole bunch of functional tests, GI map for your digestive system, all sorts of testing. And our professor, he always says when people ask me what test should I run, I say, which one shouldn't you run? right? Wouldn't you want to know everything that's going on inside of your body? Because I've said this so many times, but nothing in the body happens in isolation. Everything is working together. So the more information we have, the more that we're able to see changes, the more that we're able to see different markers internally, we can start to look for clues and understand our body a lot better as well.
1: So there was a lot of great points in this conversation and a lot of long words that even I was like, uh, what? So let's take it right back from the beginning, a couple important points for the listeners to take away today.
0: So the first thing to know is that even if your lab work comes back as normal, this is not always a sign that your body is in optimal health, and it might be a good idea to pursue looking further if you're not feeling your best. There's a couple things that are flawed about the way that our medical system works with lab testing. The first is that it's based off geographical location. The reference ranges are taken from a population that is not necessarily healthy or in optimal health, and it doesn't tell the full picture all the time. Something else important to note is that you can still have relative changes, so what's normal for your body might not be the quote-unquote normal range, and so we should always be looking and assessing changes that happen to our body over time, and then using that information in context with the way that we feel, right? So the lab markers on their own don't necessarily mean much. We always want to be looking at the big picture and treating you or helping you as a person rather than just the piece of paper. And the other thing to know is that if you're not feeling well, there are other avenues that you can start to look at for supporting your body. So whether that's looking for a holistic practitioner and optimizing your nutrition and your stress management practices, tons and tons of free information, podcasts online you can search. And so while you're on this journey and while you're advocating for yourself to find answers, in the meantime, there's lots you can do within your control to start supporting your body as well.
1: And that's why some of the testing that we are able to offer for clients, such as the Dutch test, are able to take your testing or at least your knowledge of what's going on inside your own body a step further. Sarah, can you tell us really quickly about what the Dutch test is and why it's one of the more unique things that we offer our people?
0: Mm -hmm. So the Dutch test is a dried urine test, which measures your hormone levels and metabolites, which is not something you can get in your blood work. This is extremely important, especially if you listen to our podcast on estrogen. If you haven't checked that out, we will link it in the show notes below. Um, so for the Dutch test, it does show metabolites. So your estrogen levels, for example, might come back as quote-unquote normal with blood work, but the Dutch test allows us to see which estrogen metabolites your body is favoring and maybe which are a little bit low, which is really important for anyone who has a history of breast cancer, for example, painful periods, PMS. And so it really just takes a deeper look not only at the levels of hormones your body is producing, but the way that your body is metabolizing and the ratios of the metabolism. It also shows things things like your cortisol pattern throughout the day. So anyone who has fatigue, maybe adrenal-based issues, it gives you a huge picture of your hormones and the way that they're being produced and processed and metabolized in your body.
1: Amazing. So we are pretty much full as far as our client load right now, but we are starting to take applications for the month of April. So if that's you, you're interested in maybe doing a Dutch test or looking at other ways to optimize your health in other areas, uh, head on over to our website, embodiedwellnessco.com. Check out the private coaching options and what we do offer for our wellness gang.
0: Thank you so much for tuning into today's show. If you like this, give us a five-star rating on iTunes or Spotify and share it with your friends.
1: Yes, please, please share with your friends. That's how we grow is word of mouth at the end of the day. And we're always pumping out weekly information on awesome topics to help you grow. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. This podcast provides general information and discussions about health and related subjects. The information and other content provided in this podcast or any linked materials are not intended and should not be construed as medical advice, nor is the information a substitute for professional medical expertise or treatment. If you or any other person has medical concern, you should consult with your healthcare provider and seek other professional medical treatment. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you may have heard on this podcast or any linked materials. If you think you may have a medical emergency, call your doctor or emergency services immediately. The opinions and views expressed on this podcast are of no relation to those of any academic, hospital, health practice, or other institution.